Good evening, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for joining. You are here with us in the Hour of Power. Today, we are discussing faith beyond your means. That's the topic. So, let me kick it off by asking you to just think about that for a minute. And what came to mind? You don't need to respond, but just think about it. What came to mind when you saw the topic for the room? The hour of power, faith beyond your means. I want to make a quick announcement before we get going. That if you are in the audience, we want this room to be fully interactive. And so if you want to come up to the stage, just raise your hand. At different times, I may also send a an invite to speak to people in the audience because we want you to come. When you do come to the stage, you can mute your mic if you would, please, until it's time for you to speak. I will be introducing the uh, subject matter, and then afterwards we'll open it up for discussion. Lord, we thank you again, because always the entrance of your word brings light. So let it be today, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's get right into it. So, what came to mind when you saw the topic, faith beyond your means? Well, I'm going to say right away that there are many ways in which God meets our needs. You know, it's not always supernaturally everything he does to meet our needs. Sometimes he uses even natural means to meet our needs. God will sometimes use natural means to protect us. He will use natural means to meet our needs. But every time that God moves and steps into our realm, we call it the supernatural, you know, uh, but it's not always, you know, thunders and lightnings and things like that when God, you know, steps into our realm. God can answer our prayer. God can meet our needs in so many different ways. Let's look at some of the natural ways, first of all, that God can meet our needs. You know, so people have all kinds of needs. You know, there we have students, we have people that work. You know, we have, you know, different things. You know, so when we work, you know, if we have a job, a salary job, you know, uh, here in the United States, mostly, you know, the people get paid like every, every two weeks or whatever the pay schedule is, you know, so you do the work and you expect to be paid. <laughs> that's just the way it is. You know, so, you know, that's, you know, that's a natural, you know, thing that comes from you working. And you get him, uh, you know, paid. But let's take a look at, you know, what the scripture says before we get into the real part of this topic. Let's take a look, you know, at what the scripture says about, you know, if we're working or if we're doing something with our hands and things like that. You know, so, you know, what should we be doing? You know, even in the natural realm that God uh, uses. So I will go through some scriptures real quickly and I have some interesting stories to pull out from the Bible for this discussion today. You know, so, you know, I hope you have, uh, notes because I will go through the scriptures quickly. But the good, the good news is 
you know, we got this wonderful feature now in uh, in Clubhouse for replays. And so we got replays uh, on in this room. You know, that means, you know, if you miss anything, you can go back, you know, and listen. So Proverbs 22 and 29. Let's start there. Seest thou a man, I'm going to be reading out of the King James. Seest thou a man that is diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings and he shall not stand before mean men. You know, so right away we see that, you know, if we are diligent in our business, whatever that business might be, that business might be for a student, maybe they are in school, uh, for someone in ministry, maybe they're in ministry. For someone who is uh, an entrepreneur, maybe they're you know in the marketplace. You know, for somebody who's working, maybe they're on the job. Whatever the business is, you know, if we are diligent in that business, God promises, you know, elevation. Elevation means standing before kings and not before me men. Now that you know, these things don't happen overnight. You know, so we got to be patient. We got to have that patience, you know. So, but that's what the Bible says right there. Let's also look at Lamentation 3 and see what the Bible says about, you know, us putting in the efforts that are necessary. It is good, verse 27, Lamentation 3. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You know, that means, look, before the evil days come, before we are too old and we can't do it, you know, as a uh, proverb that says, make hay while the sun shines, you know, put in the effort. It is good for a man in his youth to bear the yoke. You know, that's the time when you are young. That's the time you do all these things that you need to do. We don't wait until we're older. You know, and then time has passed, then we're trying to do the things that we should have done in our youth. Well, so these are, these are some of the things, some principles that God, you know, puts out there for even the natural things and how he does, I mean, how he uses the natural means, you know. Now, Ecclesiastes 3 and 13 says also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, that's the gift of God. You know, so in this scripture so far, we are seeing that we're being encouraged to work hard, we're being encouraged to labor, and there's a promise, if you work hard, if you are diligent, if you labor, there's a promise, and it's a gift from God that you will enjoy it. You know, so those, you know, those fears, you know, of life, like, you know, I walk, I get a paycheck, I do this and I get that, you know, I plant a seed, I expect the thing to, to, you know, to grow. You know, I'm talking of natural seed now. You plant something in the garden, you expect it to grow. I mean, it's, you know, these are just natural things. You know, so, you know, those are some ways in which God can help us remediate whatever situation we are in. You know, sometimes we get sick. There's natural ways also, you know. People people get sick, they take some medication, they go to the hospital, they get, uh, you know, they go to the doctor, they get some rest, you know, they change their diet, you know, they do whatever is right for them, and so on and so forth, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of natural ways that God can take care of some of these things. But today, 
I want to focus about and talk about situations, you know, that are beyond your means. Uh, and sometimes, you know, especially in the area of supply, where we just don't have enough. Uh, perhaps, you know, even in things we are facing, and I'm going to read some stories in the Bible. Things we are facing, we're overwhelmed, you know, we're outnumbered, circumstances just, you know, just, I mean, they're just around us. It just doesn't look like, you know, there's going to be any leeway or headway, you know, and sometimes people are about to give up, you know, and, you know, but I want to say right off the bat today that the little strength and the little that we have, we got, it's enough, you know, and, you know, so let's look at some scriptures and then we're going to bring out some vital points in this discussion. You know, we all know that we are closing out uh, one year and about to enter into the new year. And I noticed that at such a time as this, you know, people are bringing decrees and, you know, all kinds of things. Everybody wants the, the next year to be better than the one that we're in now and so on and so forth. Well, and that's all good. You know, I, I want that too. Everybody wants that. You know, so, but let's see what God can do for us, you know, when we have some real faith. Now, remember the topic of the room today or the discussion is faith beyond your means. Now, if you have the means, there's no need for you to have faith. <laughs> you know, James describes that when he was talking about, you know, works and faith, you know, if you already have it, I mean, if I have a meal in front of me, a sumptuous meal in front of me, you know, and I'm about to eat, there's no need for me to be praying that God should give me food. I already have the food. It's right there. It's in front of me. You know, so if I have the money in my bank to pay my bills, you know, I am making enough money from whatever my salary job or my business or my enterprise in the marketplace or whatever it is, you know. There's really no need for me to say, look, God should provide what I already have. So, but let's look at situations where you don't have enough. And where it looks like it looks so bleak and it looks like there is no way, no way that you can make ends to meet. Now, that's the part that I want to talk about today. We're going to, I'm going to start in even in the story, some of the stories that we are going to read in the Bible, they were military situations, you know, where they went up against their adversaries. They were going to come into supply and different things like that in these stories, just to show the various dimensions of how God's power, you know, can supersede what we think is our means, you know, but there is a requirement. There's a simple requirement. The requirement is faith. You got to have faith. You know, one of the things that God was angry about the children of Israel, uh, you know, was, you know, that they limited him. He said, look, you limited the Holy One of Israel. They couldn't believe God, you know, that God could take care of this or supply this need or that and so on. Despite all the things that they had seen, many times they doubted God's ability to take care of business. Or take care of their needs. So let's look at some stories. There is a story here in the, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6. This is about Jonathan. This is the declaration that Jonathan makes here. You know, so 
let's look at what he said. He's going to go over against, you know, the garrison of the Philip uh, Stins, and he's going to make a a, 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 a a remarkable statement here. So, and Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, First Samuel 14 and 6, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will walk for us. Well, okay. That one is not so remarkable, you know, but this is the part that's remarkable. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. You know, so whether it's many, whether it's few, it doesn't matter to the Lord. We are the ones that are looking at it from our own perspective. You know, but to God, you know, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a great nation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him at all. In the story of Gideon's army, Judges chapter 7. I'm going through this very quickly because I want to come down to some other practical things. Judges chapter 7. We see the story and many people know this story. Judges 7. I'm going to just uh, reference just two verses there, you know, so we don't take too long to read it, you know. Verse 2 says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves up against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. You know, so sometimes, you know, this story, I mean, this, this thing here illustrates the point that God, you know, may withdraw a little so that we may trust him even more. You know, so we don't think that we got it, you know, we got everything going and we got everything by our power. And verse 7 of the same chapter, you know, says that, you know, you know the story, you know, of how he brought them to, uh, you know, they started out 32,000 and began to prune down, sent some people away, you know, if you're newly married or if you're afraid or this and that, you know, finally, you know, God gave some parameters to choose certain people, you know, to buy some certain actions and they ended up with just 300 and the Lord said in verse 7 to Gideon, By these 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. I mean, now these are people that started, when we were, then they were actually at 32,000. They still were outnumbered. You know, and God said, 32,000 is too much because you're going to think that, you know, it was your military prowess or the number of people that you had that gave you the victory. So prune them down and he pruned it down to 300 now. That's a remarkable story. And of course, as the story went, the Lord gave them the victory just with those small numbers. Here's another story in uh, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 14. This is the story of Asa. And there is another statement that he's going to make here that will focus on us trusting the Lord. Here's what he said. Verse 11 of Second Chronicles 14. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Almost the same statement, you know, like Jonathan made earlier. You know, and he said, look, with them or with them that have no power. 
power, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O oh Lord God, for we rest on thee. Now that's important. That's important to put your confidence in the Lord. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O oh Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So, and the Lord smote all the Ethiopians before Asa and so on. You know, a similar story. In Jehoshaphat, you know, he had the same situation. Second Chronicles, we see the story in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And many of us, of course, know the story of Jehoshaphat, you know. And he, in this case, he had, uh, you know, three armies, you know, that would come out against him. And they, you know, they didn't, they just, they were completely outnumbered, completely outnumbered, you know. And here's what he said in verse 12 of Second Chronicles 20. Oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. So you see the acknowledgement, like the Bible says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. You see the acknowledgement that I can't do it by myself. My army is too small. These people are, you know, we're outnumbered. We're outgunned and everything, you know. We don't even know what to do. But he made a critical declaration here. But our eyes are upon thee. So that's the element that we want to bring out in this lesson today. Our eyes are upon thee. That's the faith aspect. You know, and as you know, the story went on. And, you know, Jehoshaphat, of course, you know, when the word of the Lord came, that God was going to give him the victory. He worshiped the Lord. You know, they went, they told, no, they have to stand still, don't need to fight. God's going to fight for you and so forth. He put the people that know how to praise the Lord in head of the army and so on and so forth. And the Lord, you know, the Lord, he, when they rose up in the morning and they went out, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So they began to destroy each other. Mount Seir faced Moab, they destroyed each other. Then the remnant the left faced Ammon, <laughs> they destroyed each other. They just destroyed each other. And the Lord delivered them not by their own power, not by their own strength. Now that should sound familiar to us already. Now let's take it into day-to-day -day supply. We've seen when we seem to be outnumbered by circumstances and these things even though they were physical wars, you know, it's also, it can also draw spiritual connotations out of them. You know, but let's look at, you know, natural supply or our material needs or the situation that we find ourselves in today. You know, now, Psalms 127, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 reveal something that is very important. You know, so that we would not trust in our own ability only. He said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, you know, waketh but in vain. Now look at verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late. You know, you got to work three, four, five jobs. You know, now I'm not making light of that, you know, the, the situations that, you know, that requires sometimes. But, you know, today's lesson is to shift our attention from what we can do 
in the natural, we should do whatever we can in natural, but even when we are still short, today's lesson is to shift our attention to the one that can go beyond our means. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, just to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, you don't need to lose sleep. You know, I mean, these the things that God will give us, our natural supply, our daily bread. We don't need to pray for these things. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, all we have to do is just ask. But we don't need to be fasting and praying and, you know, you know, I mean, just holding on to God's neck just for our natural supply. He's our father. He has to supply our needs, just like I'm a father and I supply the needs for my family. You know, so now when we begin to understand these things, we can elevate our faith. Here are some stories I want to bring out before I throw it out for discussion. There is a story in First Kings chapter 17. This is the story of Elijah the Tishbite and the widow of Seraphath. You know, the, this widow and Elijah, God was fixing to do something which, you know, it's like a divine appointment that neither of them knew about. As the story went, you can read a lot of it in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, verses 7 through about 16. But I'm not going to read it, I'll just paraphrase it. Elijah had called for famine in the land. And God told him to get up to the brook, you know, and stay there, you know. And the Lord even commanded ravens to bring him food. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's like room service. That's supernatural. Uh, room service that the Lord commanded him. You know, the Lord was feeding him twice a day. The ravens, you know, they brought him food and so on. But it came to pass after a while. Now, this is part of the lesson today. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. And so here is the question for us who are in the room today. Could not God have prevented this brook from drying up. I mean, the Lord who sent ravens supernaturally to bring Elijah food twice a day, you know, could he not have prevented this brook from drying up? You know, but the Lord allowed the brook to dry up. And there's a hidden lesson in that for us as well. You know, sometimes the brook is dry. <laughs> you know, you know, but we'd be there, you know, if it was us today, we'd be there rebuking that brook, you know, commanding the rain to come and doing all these things when God said, no, the brook is dry. You know, the brook has served its purpose. You know, now it's time for you to move on. And God doesn't always have to share with us every bit of his knowledge. That's what makes him so much more higher than us. He gives us little bits and we have to trust him for the rest. Fill in the gaps. Let God fill in the gaps as we go along. You know, but God didn't tell Elijah too much the reason why the brook, he allowed the brook to dry. But he revealed something. He said, look, I want you to get up from here and go to such and such a place. And you're going to find a widow there because I have commanded. Now, until the Lord told Elijah this thing, I have commanded the widow to sustain thee. 
Now, until Elijah was told this thing by the Lord, he didn't know this. He was a prophet that stood before the Lord, but the Lord did not reveal this part to him until he told him. And so God was fixing to get a two for one right here. He's going to take care of Elijah, but he's also going to take care of this widow. Now, let's focus now the story on the widow. Elijah comes to this place. He finds this widow gathering two sticks. He says to the widow, you know, go get me something, you know, and so forth. You know, and she said, okay. And as she's going to get it, he said, look, make me, go get me something to drink. And she's going to get it. And then she said, make me a little cake in your hand and so forth. And the widow said, look, as the Lord your God liveth, I, I don't, all I have is just a little, some little flour in the house, some little oil. And I'm gathering a couple of sticks. I'm going to go make a, a cake, bread. I'm going to eat it with my son. And we are going to die. You know, so that was the the extent to which she could see. The natural means that she had was a little cup of flour in the house. The little uh, pot of oil. And you know, she's going to go gather a couple of sticks. Make some last meal. Herself and her son. They're going to eat it because the famine was so sore in the land. And they are going to die. That's it. Once they finish that food, that's the end of it. And Elijah, the man of God, because God now made him realize that this is the woman. He says to the woman, nobody is dying today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nobody is dying today. You know, here's what I want you to do. Go do as you said. Make the cake for your son and all that. But you bring me something First, for thus saith the Lord. <laughs> now, see, now God is going to step in now with thus saith the Lord and he's going to change this woman's story. She's at the point of death. She's about to give up. But as long as God is in the situation, it's not over. It's never over. Hallelujah. God has one, God always has one more move. And the move that he had in this case, for this woman was to send Elijah the prophet. You know, now the woman might have been praying to the Lord and saying, Look, I, you know, I don't know, you know, what I'm going to do for my son and so forth, you know, and all that. My husband is dead and so on. You know, so, but the Lord, through the mouth of Elijah, brought the word that said, The barrel of meal will not waste and the cruise of hell will not fail until the day. That the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So whether it's three months from now, six months from now, three and a half years from now, it doesn't matter. Until the day the Lord sends rain, this little cup of flour and the little, you know, barrel of oil or whatever you have in the house, you know, God's going to step into it and make it go beyond your thoughts. So the means that this woman had was means for one last meal. That's all she had. One last meal. But God was going to step in and boost her faith by the word of the Lord. And the Lord was going to say, look, thus saith the Lord. And of course, you know, this must be a woman that feared the Lord, you know, because as soon as she saw the man, first of all, she recognized that he must be a man of God because as the Lord that God liveth, that's how he, she addressed him. And then when he brought the word of the Lord, you know, she trembled at his word. Now, this is the man to whom I will look. He that trembles at my word. When God speaks the word, you know, when he brings a word in a season like that, 
we got to believe it. We got to latch our faith onto it. But this was going to take this woman beyond her means. And you know the rest of the story. Another one in 2 Kings chapter 4. Let me wrap this up quickly here so I can open it up. 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Now this is another widow, but this time it's Elisha. Not Elijah this time. This is Elisha this time. You know, so a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, you know, cried unto Elisha saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that while my servant lived, he feared the Lord. And all the creditors are now come to take away my two sons to be born men. Because we have no money to pay what we owe. You know. So this is another situation in which her situation is above her means. She do, her means are limited and she can't pay her debt. And she's afraid for the life of her sons, herself. They're going to take them into bondage and she's going to be even, you know, spiral into more, you know, depression because first she already lost her husband and the only two sons that she has to keep her company and everything. These people already said, look, we give you 24 hours. <laughs> you don't pay. You know, then your sons are going to be, you know, taken into slavery and so on. You know, and they're going to have to walk off the debt. And so the woman, you know, she was completely overwhelmed. She had no means to get out of the situation in which she's in. You know, but the word of the Lord is going to come. That's right. The word of the Lord is going to come through the prophet, the man of God. And it's going to boost her faith. And he's going to say to her, look, what do you want me to do for you? They were saying, I ask a question. What is it that you have in your house? You know, and she said, well, you know, uh, you know, I don't really have anything except just one small pot of oil. <laughs> you know, that's the means. That's all she had, a small pot of oil. What can she do with a small pot of oil? And Elisha said, it is enough, <laughs> you know. Just the same way that Elijah said to the lady, it is enough. What you have is enough. It's going to sustain you for many months until the rain comes. And Elisha said to this other woman as well, you know, it is enough. You know, here's what I want you to do. Now, when the word, when the Lord brings the word, I played a song at the beginning that said, we need to hear from you, Lord. You know, so when the Lord brings a particular word to you in your situation, of course, the word of God is already revealed to us in his word. You know, but even when he speaks to us and brings a word in season, we better believe it. You know, because if it's not mixed with faith, it's not going to do us any good. Go borrow many more pots, empty pots, bring them into you. Let your sons go throughout the neighborhood, borrow as many pots as they can. And when they come in to you, shut the door, take the one little pot that you had. This is your means. This is all you had. But God's going to do something beyond your means. Hallelujah. This is what you had. Just one little pot. But God is going to speak the word and go beyond your means. And so Elisha said to her, when you come in, lock the door, shut the door, your sons begin to pour into those pots from the one little that you had. The one that you thought could not meet your needs. The means that you had, which probably all that would have sufficed for was one last meal, and that was it. 
and then her sons will go into slavery. God turned that situation around by the word of the Lord and he changed that and she had to have faith to believe God. Because as she, just like the other woman, you know, you know, every time she went to get some more flour, you know, there was, she'd take, she'd take a cup to bake something and she'd come back next day and the thing looks like it's not even depleted. She'd take some oil to make some cake and, you know, the thing come back, that's the, the thing, the level is not going down. It's just there. It's just, I mean, it's just there. And so this same woman, she'd pour out of the oil to the pot, you know, and the son would bring another pot and she kept pouring and it's like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Because as she kept pouring, you know, well, she had to keep believing though. <laughs> as she kept pouring, believing, you know, that the oil just can say, my goodness, you know, this word from the man of God, I, you know, this is something with my lands. I've never seen anything like this. She began to pour the oil, you know, and so on. And then finally she said to her son, bring me another pot. And he said, we're out of pots. <laughs> we are out of pots. And then the oil stopped. Hallelujah. <laughs> if there had been more pots, you know, if she, could, if she would have been able to continue borrowing pots till today, that oil would not have stopped because that's how God works. You know, but when she ran out of supply, I mean, supply of pots, you know, then the oil stopped. Then she came to the man of God and said, wow, you know, I, I, you know, I have never seen anything like that. The one pot of oil we had, we filled out these hundreds of pots and, you know, whatever. And then the man of God said, yep, you know, just go and sell all those things. You know, whatever money you get out of it, pay your debt and use the rest to live for yourself. So that's how God supernaturally went beyond her means. There's another story quickly here in Matthew 14, verses 15 to 21. You know, Jesus is in the crowd, thousands of people, you know, there is no food to give them. They've been following him around for three days, except for one little boy who probably told his mom, can I go, can I go, can I go there, Jesus, you know, whatever. And I said, okay, hold on, I got to pack you a little sack lunch. <laughs> the mother packs him something. He's so excited, he couldn't even eat, you know, and uh, the thing is still with him. You know, when the disciples say, well, we've looked around. Anybody have any food? Everybody that been following them, they finished their supplies for the last three days. And so this little boy that joined them later on said, well, I still got my lunch. You know, they say, well, <laughs> you know, and he offered it up. Now, remember, the disciples already said, where are we going to find you know, I mean, money to buy this kind of bread for all these people. I mean, the stores are closed and so forth. We can't send them away. You know, I mean, Jesus, I mean, this, I mean, they wanted to send them away so that they could go to and buy before the stores closed. Jesus said, you don't need to send them away. Feed them. Say, are you kidding? How are you going to, how are we going to feed all these thousands? Because they're looking at their means. Well, first of all, we don't even have any food. And even if we did, you know, I mean, Jesus said, look, what do you have? He said, well, there's a little boy here that has just a sack lunch. And Jesus said, it is enough. Now, notice, it's the same thing, the same principle. It is enough. When you put it in the hands of the master, he's going to take it beyond your means. Now, this sack lunch was packed for just a little boy. It was just one little boy's lunch. That's it. It was not even intended to feed two or three people. Maybe the, the mother put a little extra there in case, you know, he was stayed out a little late. Maybe he can eat a couple of times from it. At the most... 
you know, but when he put it in the hands of the master, you know, the disciples had to believe beyond the little two loaves and five fishes. They had to keep believing. Why? Because when Jesus took the meal from the hands of the disciples that he got from the little boy, he blessed it and he gave it to the disciples. Jesus didn't feed the crowd. <laughs> he gave it to the disciples. And you know, it's not very hard to break any piece of bread into 12. <laughs> That's, you know, I can do that. It's not a big miracle. You don't need to walk a miracle to do that. You can break, anybody can break a piece of bread into 12. Hand it to the disciples. Break the fish into 12. Hand it to the disciples. That's no big miracle. The miracle was happening in the hands of the disciples. And they had, because Jesus put his blessing on it, and they had to keep believing. As each one of them was handing out the little piece of bread and some fish that they had, they had to keep believing. They had to keep believing. So that the faith was rising beyond the means. I mean, you know, they got the people to sit down in 50s and everything all over the place. And I got just a handful of some crumbs of bread and some fish. How am I going to feed all this? Keep on believing. <laughs> and as they kept on believing, partners with Christ in the creation and the multiplication of this miracle. Because their faith transcended the means at hand at that moment. You know, so... Whether it was the 5,000, the 4,000, and all these things, it's all the same to the Lord. It doesn't matter. You know, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Also, Philippians 4 and 19, which everybody loves. You know, my God shall supply your needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, according to his riches, not according to your supply, not according to your means, but you've got to believe this word. Because when God speaks the word, we have to believe it. So, the question is this. What is in your hand today? Do you have faith beyond your means? Now, suppose... You have to pay a $500 bill and you only have $17 in your hands. How in the world are you going to pay that $500 bill with the $17 you have in your purse or your wallet? Well, faith beyond your means. In the hands of the master, it doesn't matter whether it's small or great, many or few. It doesn't matter to the Lord. He is the creator, you know, and when he speaks like that, when he speaks his word, you know, the same word that brought the, everything out of nothing, you know, so you got to believe that word. Now, God has also given us the power It's embedded in his word. We have to use that word for ourselves. So I'm going to bring it to a close here and open it up for discussion. I want people uh, that are in the audience to come to the stage, share your thoughts. Now, in this season, as we're going into the end of this year, uh, just a couple more days, and as we're going into the new year, you know, we need to change our horizon. We got to believe beyond our means. You know, if you're limiting God to what you have, 
then that's what he said to the children of Israel. You limited the Holy One of Israel. With God, a little one can become a thousand. And a small one can become a great nation. With the Lord, it doesn't matter. You know, so, but we gotta have faith beyond our means. I want to hear what this uh, lesson means to you. And I want to hear testimonies that you have experienced situations in which you have believed God beyond the means at hand. Now, these are things that we face every day. But if we are not cognizant, you know, of the power of God to exceed our means, then we are just going to be limited by our means, you know. So, well, I only got $17. I can't pay this $500 bill. <laughs> you got to see what the Lord is going to speak. Last but not the least, I want to leave you with Psalm 103 and verse 20. It says, Praise ye the Lord, ye his hosts, you know, and ye angels that excel in strength. Hearkening to the voice of his word. Well, you know, these angels, there are different categories of them. The most powerful ones are excelling strength. What they are waiting for is for you to give voice to God's word. And that word is in your mouth. You don't need to go look for him in the grave. <laughs> He's not there. We don't need to go bring him down from heaven. No, that word of faith is in your mouth. And if you can declare the word, just like he said it, you know, the kingdom man, 5,000, no food, no worries. <laughs> the kingdom man, you know, goes into the boat, does the uh, storm is coming, no worries. He's going to go and sleep. Why? Because he said, let us go over to the other side. Now, the word of God will always sustain itself. These scriptures that we have read, and these Philippians 4 and 19, and these Ephesians 3 and 20, and many other scriptures, tell us that, look, God's word will sustain itself. It's not the means that you have at hand. God doesn't save by much or by little. It makes no difference to him. It is not the fact that, you know, there is no storm. That's not what's going to keep you, to get you to the other side. It is not the mastery of the ship captain. No. It is the word that he spoke. Let us go over to the other side, you know. And when you catch that word, the faith beyond your natural circumstance, say, look, I mean, this storm is here. We're going to perish, you know, because they couldn't catch the word, you know. They didn't have the faith beyond the circumstances that surround them. They, you know, they are walking in the flesh, looking in the, by their eyes, Say, this storm is going to destroy us. Whereas Jesus, he spoke the word and he went to sleep. Because he knew that the word that he spoke would sustain itself. <laughs> you know, so once the word of God goes forth, it will sustain itself. All you got to do is believe. But the people didn't believe. You know, so that's why Jesus, when he woke up, when they woke him up from sleep, he said, hey, what's happening? He said, well, we're going to drown here. Don't you care? <laughs> And Jesus said, wow, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I was like, wow, you know, and, it, you know, it's like, wow, didn't you hear what I said? Let us go over to the other side. <laughs> you know, the storm will do its thing. It doesn't matter. The word already went forth. You know, 
You don't need to worry about, oh, can I combat this storm? You know, how are we going to ride out? You will ride out the storm. And so Jesus, not intending to rebuke the storm at all, wanting to ride it out, but because of the fear of the disciples, had to rebuke the storm and then rebuke the disciples as well. So we see all these lessons that we should never look at our own natural situation and use that to limit God. You know, so in summary, those are the things we have said today. That God can use not only supernatural means, he can actually use natural means to meet our needs. We talked about that at the beginning. We gave some examples. But, but even when our natural means fall short, God can also step in and change your story. You know, and all he does is, and remember, you know, there is no respect of persons with God. If you can believe God, you know, God is just looking for somebody to believe his word. Take him at his word. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And God who calls things that are, you know, that are not rather as though they are. You know, he just calls things out of nothing. <laughs> you know, he doesn't look at, you know, look, all I got is a little pot of oil. All I got is a little flower. All I got is this. No, that doesn't matter. We go. What matters is his word. And if we can have that faith, it can go beyond our means. Into this new year, you can believe God. Hallelujah. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Uh, this is Pastor Yato from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm going to ask that those who are still in the room, if you would like to share, come to the stage and share your thoughts. Hallelujah.